0: you ever had one of those weekends where, I know you guys did last week, have you ever had one of those weekends that you got to choose joy rather than the irritations? I don't know if you're like me, I will admit my sin and immaturity. It's the little things in life that tend to get the best of me. It's the little things that maybe seem out of control. As Brian was saying, I was here Trying to solve our air conditioning problem yesterday and pouring hot water on ice and (laughs) calling the landlord And anybody who knows me i'm the least mechanical person on the planet But I did call steve walker our drummer and he bailed it out. He knew exactly what was going on. So thank you. Mr Steve arena You need a raise Uh, and then you know the dog pooped on the floor this morning Just what have woke up to that she actually did it a couple weeks ago and in the dark I, I stepped in it that's a fun way to wake up like so we're choosing joy in the midst of irritations and God bless their Zumba class that's going on over there hopefully you can stay Uh, Not be too distracted. I know it's easy to be distracted, but uh, God's got a word for us this morning. And uh, when you see the title of this message, (laughs) it's pretty funny when you're on the struggle bus, right? So heavenly father, I humble myself before you and before my church family that we do not need to hear from me. We need a word from you. So I pray that to be led by your spirit, Lord, that we would have open hearts to what it is you want to say and that you would be glorified and that lives would be changed. In Jesus name. Amen. Um, long time ago at least 20 years or more, Uh, Chris Ingalls and I went to Scotland to do some some ministry. It was like our sixth or seventh time going over there. Had a really cool relationship with a church and a pastor. And we got there kind of late and we were jet lagging hard and we were staying just outside of Edinburgh. It's hard to say without saying Edinburgh, but uh, just outside of there. And um, we decided to go downtown and just look around and hang out and we took the public transportation we took the bus down there and It was kind of late when we were coming back maybe around 10 30, 11 and we the pastor that we were staying with had moved so we weren't a hundred percent sure how to get back to his house and we're, we're the last people on the bus and all of a sudden the bus goes to its last stop and the driver says, you got to get out, lads. Uh, this is, this is our, my last stop. We didn't know where we were. This was pre-cell phones and GPS and all of that. And so I think we prayed and God guided us somehow back in, in the middle of that. But people in the suburbs a lot don't take public transfer, perm, transportation a ton. You know, some people do. They save gas money or parking or whatever if you work downtown not many people ride the bus, but a lot of people are on the struggle bus. See where its destination is? Going to struggle town. Anybody ever been there? I'm not only a passenger, I'm the driver, owner, and mechanic of the struggle bus. Been there? How about this sign? (laughs) The struggle bus should have a loyalty rewards program. I thought that was pretty funny. We're in a series in the book of Genesis. And we're, we've called it Longing for Eden. Because if you, as we've been reading through Genesis, you see that God in the Garden of Eden was this perfect place where there was no sorrow or sadness or any of that. And God's presence was tangibly there with Adam and Eve in the garden. And God had said, you can eat of any of these trees but don't eat from this one tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they got duped by the evil one and God exiled them out of the garden as actually an act of mercy. And as we're reading through and going through the events of Genesis and the characters, and as you read all the way through the Old Testament, you realize people were just longing for Eden, longing to get back to the garden longing to get back to that place of 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 perfection and each one of us are longing for that each one of us are longing for eden we're longing for heaven but we're not there yet i wonder if he answered that <laughs> hello we're longing for eden so today we're going to we're going to talk about a guy named jacob jacob struggled a lot as a matter of fact in the 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 prophet Hosea says this, in the womb, talking about Jacob, he grasped his brother's heel. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. Here's a fact. Life is a sequence of struggles. Have you we figured that one out? It's like being at the airport and you're watching a plane take off and And as that plane's taken off another planes landing and it's like in life You see the struts waving by to a struggle or a problem Uh-oh one's landing <laughs> right behind it. That's just life is a sequence of Struggles, but here's a truth that you can hold on to God has promised to help us overcome our struggles God's promise to help us overcome our struggles here's what Jesus said to his disciples and thus to us he says I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I've overcome the world in this life Scott you're going to have struggles big ones and little ones family we're going to have struggles But the truth is jesus said i've overcome the world look to me and i love the honesty of jesus he didn't say life was going to be a cakewalk he said you're you're going to go through difficulties and the reason that we often struggle more than than we should is because we haven't made room for struggles and problems in our life we we want to just pretend that they're not going to happen but if you make room in life for difficulties, then you'll be able to deal with them. As I say all the time, this is not heaven. Heaven's the place where there's no struggles or sin or sorrow or sickness. So in Genesis 32, this isn't on your notes or on the screen. I'm just going to read it from my Bible, but it's uh, Jacob wrestling with God. It says, then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And that's a strange, uh, word to use he rest, is he wrestled with god or is he wrestling with a man in the old testament they, they call them theophanies where god takes the form of a human or the angel of the lord takes the form of a human to relate to the people in the stories it's called a theophany when he saw that he had not prevailed against him he touched the socket of his thigh So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, this is Jacob talking. I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Pen- Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. I think we have a lot in common with Jacob. Maybe we haven't had the socket of our thigh (laughs) dislocated, but life has given us limps and and struggles have given us limps. I think we have a lot in common with Jacob. And the first one is that we struggle with each other. We struggle with each other, right? Tell me if you can relate to Jacob's struggles or not Jacob struggled with his brother any siblings ever struggle with each other in family of course Jacob and Esau had a tough tough relationship from from day one he struggled with his wives that's never happened has it like marital strife is that marital struggles and he had more than one wife to make happy and to get along with so go figure No one's ever had this problem. He struggled with his in-laws. In-laws become outlaws pretty quick sometimes. And then he struggled with his sons. He struggled with his sons. He struggled with his kids. His kids were troublemakers, man. They did all kinds of stuff and he, he struggled there. So most of our struggles in life come from relationships. Relationships would be easy if it wasn't for people, right? It's kind of paradoxical there. So secondly, like Jacob, we struggle within ourselves. We struggle with ourselves. Jacob was very insecure. You, You can see that as you read through his life and the things that he went through. Now, I think often we struggle in life because of Messages that have been sent to us from the time we were little. Whether it was from parents, friends, experiences, whatever, these messages that were, were sent to us that, that were not wanted or that, you know, were, were troublemakers or were this or were that. And that, that message, easy for that to become an identity. I thank God for for my wife, Janelle. I had a real aha moment that God used her to take away a lot of false messages I had about myself because of life and people and experiences. And it's a huge blessing to be, to be married to her and the way God has used her in that. But it's interesting, Jacob's name means deceiver. His mom named him deceiver. Can you imagine if your sin or failures was your name? hi, uh, my name's Lazy. Nice to meet you. <laughs> hi, m- my name's Liar. I'd, I'd love to get to know you a little. Hi, my name's Greedy. Whatever. I'm selfish. That's basically what's going on here. Every time somebody would, he'd introduce himself. Hi, my name's Deceiver. Oh, I really want to hang out with you. <laughs> Schemer. It's important that we that, that you grasp that that. That was his identity was in The sin of deceiving. The Apostle Paul was an amazing man. The Apostle Paul completely had an identity change. He was a religious terrorist who thought he was doing God a favor by persecuting Christians and killing them off. And and we see that in the early church in the book of Acts. And Jesus just came and completely transformed his life. And it's just like Jesus to take someone who's at enmity with him and say, I pick you, you're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to be the one to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And the apostle Paul in the book of Romans makes some statements that are, have been kind of tricky for a lot of people to interpret uh, to some degree, but I so can relate to it. And I, I bet you can too. We struggle inside with fear. We struggle. With worry, with sin, and there's a wrestling match within ourselves going on. In uh, Romans 7, he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. You see, here a struggle going on here? Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me for in my inner being i delight in god's law but i see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me now if i just stopped there that sounds like bad news but the next two verses paul says what a wretched man i am who will save me from this body of sin he says thanks be to god through Christ Jesus our Lord he has triumphed That needs to be our posture not finding our identity in our failures and within the struggle but find our identity in the triumph of Jesus Christ over sin death and the evil one that's the good news Jacob in his struggle and his wrestling match with God got his name changed his identity changed He went from being deceiver to Israel, which means righteous or triumphant with God. We need to let Jesus change our identity. And when you put your hope in Jesus and what he's done and in the gospel, he does transform us. He changes us. And we become who we are in Christ we tend to live out what we find our identity in. We find our identity in in our looks or our 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 money or our jobs or successes or parent you know set successes we're putting our identity in the wrong things. So let Jesus change us. And Then we struggle with God just like Jacob did. We struggle with God. Billy Graham probably the most famous evangelical christian of of the last, you know, time the generations uh, that we're we're in and above us. Every time I went to Scotland, I would always talk to people and and, and so many of them would say that they became christians at a Billy Graham, you know, uh, evangelistic th- outreach deal. But some people don't know that Billy Graham he and uh, one of his classmates in seminary had a plan that they were going to do ministry together and they were going to reach people for Christ. And um, his friend was actually going to be the next Billy Graham. <laughs> he was a better speaker than Billy and had, had more influence. But his friend, at one point in time, looked at the cover of a Time magazine. And it had a picture of a a lady holding her dead baby somewhere in Africa where there was a huge drought. And this man thought, if God was good, if God was love, why would he not just send rain for this baby not to die? And he lost his faith. He walked away from following Jesus. He walked away from his calling. You've ever read the case for Christ. uh, The author talks about this story. Well, Billy had his own struggles. And Billy had his doubts. Is this really the Word of God? Is, am I really on the right path? And Billy chose to go out in a field one night, and he just poured his heart out to God. And he was real with his doubts and struggles, and he laid it out and he said, God, this is where I'm at, but I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow the path that you have for me. And he said that struggle lifted from him as soon as he confessed what he was feeling. And I can relate to that. When I became a Christian at the age of 25, a follower of Jesus, I, I got baptized pretty pretty soon after that. And I remember after my my baptism, like I, it was such a hot spiritual high. It was such a mountaintop, cool experience. You could feel the Lord everywhere. And it's just like, you, you, you've probably been there, right? It's like a honeymoon with Jesus. <laughs> and yet, about a week after that, I went into this spiritual funk and this cloud just kind of came over me of doubt. And I was like, is this really real? Have I really changed? Is Jesus really the, the way? And, and I just struggled in doubt. And I remember saying to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm struggling. I don't know what's going on in me i have doubts but i'm going to follow you no matter what i'm not going back to where i was and in that moment my struggle lifted off it was just that reaffirmation lord it's not about feelings in walking with you it's not about an emotional high it's about me following you and doing what you say to do jacob wrestled with God. God likes to wrestle. Dad, dads with sons, maybe daughters, but you might want to check with them. But dads and sons tend to wrestle, right? It's it's like in the dad handbook, thou shalt wrestle with your son. And when they're little, you let them win. You let them feel like they're winning and, and, and they pin you. And as they get a little older, maybe in the teenage years, you give them a shot at the title, but you can still take them at that point. And then you get a little older and they get bigger and in their 20s and you stop wrestling at that point. You say, you're good, you, you win. I'm still the champion though. I wrestled a little bit in junior high. Did anybody wrestle in high school or junior high? Two of us, cool. Very athletic church. Um, wrestling is all about leverage. In control, You're trying to leverage somebody to pin them or to score points, and, and it's about being in control. You get points for being in control. Well, that's us when we wrestle with God. I think there's two reasons we wrestle with God or we struggle with God. Number one, we doubt His wisdom and His character. And we want to be in control. Any control freaks? in the club yeah thank you for being honest we do we want to be in control and we struggle with we struggle with that because god doesn't answer our prayers as fast as we think he should or that didn't go as i thought it was going to go and we, and we struggle and begin to question god what i want to do is let's talk about how to struggle with god and to grow from it Because we're like Jacob, we're going to struggle with each other. We're going to struggle within ourselves and we're going to struggle with God. And there's two verses, one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament that I think are worthy of you putting to memory. The first, the apostle Peter says, cast all your anxiety or struggles on him because he cares for you. And then he says in the Psalms, the psalmist says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you he will never let the righteous be shaken to cast your struggles you cast you put it on the shoulders of the lord Jesus' shoulders are big and broad enough to carry all of our burdens and we're invited to do that he wants us to do that it's an act of faith to not wallow in my struggles and anxiety but to say here lord will you take them i put them on you So I wanna use the acronym CAST, C-A-S-T, for four little application points that we can use um, in the middle of your struggle. And the first one is confess to God how you're feeling. Confess to God how you're feeling. God doesn't fall off the throne when we're honest with him about our doubts and our why questions. We do it with, with reverence and faith But it's an act of faith to be real with God. If you're reading the Psalms, it's always, God, why is this happening? Why, why, why? And then it's always a declaration, but I know you're good. I know that you'll be faithful. In uh, Psalm 5, verse 1, it says, Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Consider my lament. Prayers of lament are woven throughout the Bible. And if you're wondering what is a lament, a lament is a complaint. To lament to God is to complain to God. And you might think, isn't that bad? Isn't that sinful? Uh, it's all over Scripture. And, they, and God doesn't chastise them for complaining to God. Complaining to God in the Bible is prayer. Complaining about God, that's sinful and unbelief. One is from faith one is from unbelief in the psalms there's 150 psalms 65 of them are psalms of lament you see it in David. it's just called being real with god like i was complaining to brian this morning because of that over there i was you know <laughs> we won't say any names or anything um but it's, it's, there's a book called Lamentations, and Lamentations comes right after Jeremiah. And it basically is a book that says life sucks, and that's the end of the story. Like, <laughs> there's a few cool verses in Lamentations, but it's, it's a downer of a book. Don't read that to, to get pumped up. But confess to God how you really feel. And then the A in cast is appeal to his character appeal to his character god this is how i feel god i'm just being real with you we're real with our close friends right hopefully you're real with your spouse your your family we can be real with god but when you're being real with god also remember he is good all always good his very nature is goodness and love and so appeal to that goodness in the psalm 3 verse 1 through 4 Lord how many are my foes how many rise up against me many are saying of me God will not deliver him but you oh, you Lord are a shield around me my glory the one who lifts my head high I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain talks about his struggle and then appeals to the goodness of God and what he knows about God the S in cast stand on what he has said stand on what he has said how many dads how many parents have ever heard dad but you said but you promised you were going to take me for ice cream you promised we were going to watch this movie and something came up but 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 dad you promised mom no one's ever heard that though right (laughs) here's the deal God wants us to remind him of his promises. People I often hear people pray and they'll say, uh, you know, God, you say in your word. And God doesn't need to be reminded. He, He knows what's said in his word, but 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 I think he likes it because we're believing his promise. We're standing on his promise. When we say, God, you say in your word, we're just reminding ourselves of what God has promised. Jacob experienced. the the greatest promise keeper there is in God, just prior to his wrestling match, this happened to Jacob. Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come back and attack me and also the mothers with their children. Here's the key phrase, but you have said, you say that with me, but you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He was reminding God and himself of what God had already said he's probably thinking to himself how am I going to be the father of a nation if Esau kills me I need to remind myself and God in Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 it says all the promises of God are yes and amen in the person of Jesus Christ everything God has ever promised is yes and amen in Jesus we lack nothing Jesus is the promises of God. He is everything that we need for life and for godliness. And then the T in CAST. Tell God that you will trust Him and that your hope is in Him no matter the circumstances. God, I'm going to trust you. I trust your promises, I trust your peace, I trust your joy. You're the resurrection and the life. Life's difficulties have a way of exposing what my hope is really in. When we go through difficulties, it's like, is my hope in a person or my job or whatever? No, my hope's in Jesus. My hope's in eternal life. I thought of Job, the story of Job, and he's going through all these difficulties, and he's getting bad advice from his friends. And he says, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. God's not going to slay Job, but Job's making a huge faith statement that no matter what happens to me, my hope is in him. There's an incredible prayer in the middle of struggles that you can pray out of the book of Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Do you hear that cry? They were going through famine and difficulty. And he's saying, I'm gonna trust you no matter what. We could modernize that a little and say, even though my 401K is dwindling, even though the stock market is going down, even though inflation is going up, even though gas is $5.09 for 87, just filled up this morning, kind of freaked out a little bit, but even though gas is $5, I'm gonna hope in you, Lord. My hope is not in the government. My hope's not in America. My hope's not in people. Our hope is in you. Remind yourself of that. I was convicted this week and challenged to stop complaining about stuff and people and trust God and and pray. So ultimately, when we cast our struggles, our cares, we're surrendering to God. And there's a an old phrase that when you know if you're wrestling with somebody and you get them in a headlock or whatever and you'd, you'd say say uncle and if somebody said uncle that meant i'm done you, you or in real like mma stuff they tap out right you get somebody in a chokehold and they're done they tap out that's what we're doing in this casting our cares is saying uncle to life <laughs> with jesus uncle i'm tapping out on this Jacob walked away from this wrestling match with a limp. And that limp was a reminder of his struggle, a reminder of the struggle. Life has given many of us limps through self-inflicted failures or through the failures of others or difficulties. Here's the deal. Let's do not let that define us. Don't let your failures, don't let That false message that was spoken over you define you. We need to learn to let Jesus define us. On the way in, you were given a hello, my name is. Will you pull that out? If you didn't get one, would you raise your hand? We'll get one in in your hands. And you're not allowed to put in here, hello, my name is no. All right? Okay, one person got that joke. That's funny. Okay. Okay, word. Here's what I want you to do let's be serious. Let's take this moment. I, I think God wants to do something in our hearts. Would you, in very small and maybe the left upper corner, when you hear me say false messages, you might hear inadequate, inconvenience, guilty, failure, shameful. I don't know what your message is. I know what mine is. I want you to write it in small print in the upper left corner. Identify it. I don't know if that's easy or or hard for you to do it could be something that goes all the way back to your childhood or it could be something that you're experiencing at the moment I don't know but we're all we all have false messages that we we believe and I think Jesus is in the business of healing that false identity here's what I want you to experience take your pen and cross out whatever you wrote in there make it go away And I want you to write and keep who Jesus says you are in him. What is a truth that he says about who you are? Forgiven, not guilty, blameless, loved, called, filled with purpose. Write that down. What was what, something about who you are in Jesus and who he says you are that does away with that false identity and that false message as he changed Jacob's name from deceiver to Israel from Jacob to Israel might not change our literal names but he's gonna change how we see ourselves and how we what identity we walk in don't let your identity be in anything other than Jesus build your life on that young people build your life on jesus not on being cool or popular us old farts don't build your life on your money or your success or anything it's jesus 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 we stand with me Heavenly Father, as we go from this place today, I pray for my brothers and sisters watching online or in person, Lord, that we would leave refreshed and we would leave encouraged that Lord, you are transforming us and you've given us everything that we need in Jesus, the security that we long for. The hope that we long for, the purpose that we long for is found in you. So we trust you today. If there's anybody that's never, you know, made an agreement with Jesus that he is Lord and Savior, because we don't make him Lord and Savior. He already is. If if that's never been something you've prayed, just say, Jesus, you are Lord, you are Savior. I want to follow you. He'll meet you right where you're at. Lord, bless with your peace and joy as we leave from here. In Jesus' name, amen.